Hi, this is Danny Klein Modisette, and this is the Afterbirth podcast featuring real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. I'd love to take a second here to talk about our new live show. It's called Not What I Signed Up For, and it features really funny stories about staying married even when you don't want to. And I have a great group of performers slated for Thursday, August 25th at the Triad Theater in New York City, so I hope you'll come out and see us. Okay, back to Afterbirth. Here's a story from Kel Cahoon, a writer for USA Psych. It's called Family Vacation, and it was recorded at the Triad Theater in New York back in 2008. It's our oldest son's first vacation. We're headed to Family Club Medic Stapa, the all-exclusive resort on the fabulous Mexican Riviera. As we packed the night before the trip, my wife, Debbie is a bit nervous about going to Mexico with a six-month-old baby. I'm more nervous about who we're going with. Before I go on, let me make clear about something. I love my wife's family. When I'm done, some of you may have the impression that I find them obnoxious, annoying, intrusive, irresponsible, ridiculous, buffoonish, drug-addled, and borderline insane. And while technically this is true, they're also some of the warmest, kindest, and most fun-loving people you'd ever want to meet. The next morning, we arrive at LAX, and it's a madhouse. There's a long line of people waiting to check bags, but since we've given ourselves plenty of time before our flight leaves, we're not the least bit concerned. While we wait online, we pass the time holding hands and staring at our beautiful, chubby little boy. We are, as they say, one happy little family. We reach the front of the line and hand our tickets to the agent. She asks for our passports, which Debbie cheerfully retrieves from her bag. Then the agent asks for the baby's birth certificate and we are happy no more. (laughs) I didn't know we had to bring a birth certificate, Debbie says, her normally husky voice rising several octaves. The agent explains that it's for our own protection and we can't get on the plane without it. At this point, I'm focused on Debbie's face. She's getting a look I know all too well. Using Homeland Security's color advisory system, we are at the equivalent of a yellow, elevated threat level. Finally, Debbie explodes, God damn it! This is all my fault. I cannot wait to tell my parents that they don't get to see their grandson because his mother is such a fuck up. I want to tell Debbie that it's no big deal. That as usual, she's being too hard on herself and that maybe she should try to avoid cursing, you know, in front of the baby. But I don't have a chance because by now Debbie is punching herself in the forehead. Hard. The baby sees this and naturally starts to scream. People in line look horrified. I try to calm Debbie down by asking her to bring down the hysterics a bit. In retrospect, this was not the best choice of words. (laughs) Luckily, the ticket agent assures us that we'll have no trouble getting on the same flight the next day. And Debbie eventually calms down after doing some deep breathing yoga exercises and slamming back a Bloody Mary in the airport bar. The next morning, we arrive back at the airport. As stressful as the previous day was, this day is as smooth as can be. The flight to Mexico is a pleasure. Lucas sleeps the whole time. Debbie and I get to read a rare treat. Even the in-flight chicken enchiladas are surprisingly tasty. This vacation is starting to look up. We reach the resort around noon. It's a hot, humid day, and because our taxi's air conditioning is just a battery-operated personal fan taped to the dashboard, the three of us are sweating buckets. Debbie's family is waiting for us at the hotel entrance, looking all tanned and relaxed. 
My mother-in-law, Beverly, and Debbie's sister, Sherry, get into a shoving match as they try to be the first ones to hold the baby. My father-in-law, Alan, gives me a big hug and says, I know your people are uncomfortable with public affection, but too bad, because you're going to get kissed. With that, he plants a big one right on my lips. I'm standing there, the taste of Marlboro lights lingering in my mouth like an obnoxious, uninvited party guest. And I want to scream, you're goddamn right I'm uncomfortable with it, you lunatic. Instead, I just smile. See, I was raised that the worst thing a person can do is make a scene. No matter how uncomfortable or angry or humiliated someone makes you, for God's sakes, keep it hidden. This is known as the wasp way. And other than giving me chronic stomach pain and a tendency to abuse alcohol, it has served me pretty darn well so far. At this point, my brother-in-law, Mike, pulls me aside. Mike's a successful CPA in New York. He's obsessed with numbers both in his work and leisure time, which is why he's eager to show me the plastic yellow wristband he's purchased at the resort bar. It costs me $175 and gets me all I can drink for the week, he says. So far today, I've had three Bloody Marys, six beers, and a pina colada. At the rate I'm going, I should break even around noon tomorrow. After that, I'm drinking for free, baby. We all head inside where I check in at the front desk and get our keys. Now, whenever we arrive at, the hot at a hotel, Debbie insists on unpacking the second we're in the room. She can't relax until she's divvied up the drawers, neatly put away our clothes, and carefully arranged the toiletries in the bathroom. This process normally takes from three to four hours. But I'm anxious to officially start the vacation. And even though I know the answer will be no, I find myself asking, okay, more like begging, that please, just this once, can't we throw caution to the wind and drop off the bags and change quickly into our bathing suits and head straight for the pool? What do you say? And to my utter amazement, Debbie says, okay. I'm thinking, has the earth just shifted on its axis? Has my cute little control freak of a wife finally thrown off the shackles of her rigid inflexibility and learned to go with the flow? When we get to our room, I find out the truth behind Debbie's new devil-may-care attitude. She's neglected to tell me that we're sharing connecting rooms with her parents. Now, under normal circumstances, this would not be that big of a deal. But as I've said, Debbie's family is not normal. They have boundary issues, as in they have none. <laughs> for example, there was the time my father-in-law, Al, invited me for a chat in the stairwell outside their apartment in New York, the only place where Bev lets him smoke. Now, it's not that I'm some stickler about breathing secondhand smoke, but couldn't the man have at least worn pants? Yeah, I stood there for an hour while, while Al dissected the New York Yankees season wearing nothing but a gold neck chain and a pair of tidy whities <laughs> It is an image that is forever burned in my brain. <clears throat> Debbie sees I'm not too happy with the connecting room situation, but she assures me the positives outweigh the negatives. Honey, this way my parents can help with the baby whenever we need. And they said they'll babysit one night so we can go out to dinner. Uh, gee, no offense, hon, but I'm not really comfortable leaving our precious baby with your folks just yet, I say. Debbie adds, and after dinner, you might even get lucky. 
However, you make an excellent point. It is more convenient this way. And hey, we get to skip packing and go straight to the pool. So what the heck? I'm sure Lucas will be fine with your parents. Uh, you know, last one in their bathing suit is a rotten egg. When Debbie and I stroll Lucas up to the pool area some 20 minutes later, my father-in-law is trying to take a picture of Debbie's nephews, Matt and Max, ages five and seven. Max and Matt are acting like typical uncooperative boys and refusing to smile. This so infuriates their grandfather that he yells for all to hear, keep it up you retards and I'm cutting you out of the will. <laughs> My mother-in-law Beverly quickly steps in, leave it to me Al, I know how to get them to smile. She proceeds to grab her very large boobs, juggle them and sing out, come on boys, look at grandma's jello. It works. <laughs> Matt and Max burst out laughing. Al takes the picture. Great job, Bev. That's a winner. <laughs> After just witnessing my son's grandmother shake her tits, I decide now would be a good time for a stiff drink. Maybe two. So I start for the bar. Bev sees me. Where you going, honey? She asks. Oh, you know, just to get a drink. Let Mike get it. He's got the wristband. <laughs> she calls to Mike, who's walking toward us. Mike, get Kel a drink. No, that's okay. I, I really don't mind paying for it, I say. Now Al chimes in. Don't be an idiot. Why should you pay? That's why Mike's got the wristband. Mike, get Kel a drink. I say, okay, I'll, I'll take a frozen margarita. Mike nods. You got it. Only he doesn't move. He stays put. Uh, with salt, I say, in case that's why he's waiting. <laughs> Mike looks around, then leans over and whispers, Okay, here's the deal. I just got a strawberry daiquiri, and the rules are I can only get drinks for myself. So just sit tight. I'll go back in a few and get the margarita. Then meet me over by the bathrooms, and I'll make the handoff. I'm thinking, I just want a drink, not the microfilm for some super-secret Nazi submarine. <clears throat> but as I said, I was not raised to make waves, so I go along with Mike's plan. A few minutes turns into 20, then an hour, then two. The sun beats down on me like an angry Mexican ball of fire. I'm dying of thirst. Mike and his sons are busy playing in the pool, and I can't bring myself to butt into their fun and ask, uh, hey, whatever happened to that margarita? And every time I start to get up from my chair, my in-laws want to make sure it's not from, that I'm not sneaking off to pay for my own drink because Mike's got the wristband. So I'm forced to sit in the boiling sun as my throat turns into sandpaper and think about how I have to spend six more days with these people. Okay, here's a few highlights from the week. Day two, I pull a calf muscle playing in the tennis tournament. I fall to the ground, writhing in pain. Al is watching from the bleachers and yells at me to, yells at me to walk it off. I have to forfeit the match because I can't walk, and I hear Al tell the lady next to him that I'm a big pussy. Okay, day three. It's Al and Bev's night to babysit. When I go next door to get them, the room is filled with smoke. Pot smoke. My wife's parents are lying on the bed, puffing on, a, puffing on a big joint that they bought from the guy who rents the jet skis. 
When I react, naturally pissed off, Al scoffs and says, please, we're not so high we can't take care of one little baby. <laughs> All true. Day five. Mike is competing in the annual ocean swim race. Mike starts off the race looking good, especially for a guy who had a Mai Tai with breakfast. The family and I cheer him on from the beach. About halfway through the race, as he makes the turn and heads for home, Mike starts to gasp for air. He struggles to stay above water. My sister-in-law screams, oh my God, Mike's drowning. My nephews burst into tears and cry out, please daddy, don't die. We yell for a lifeguard. What a surprise, there isn't one. So I hop down to the surf. Mike manages to reach the shallow water and I drag him the rest of the way in. I'm about to give him mouth to mouth when thankfully he starts to vomit. Every color in the spectrum gushes forth from this guy. It's like some tropical themed fountain you'd see at a Vegas hotel. Later at the bar, the family laughs and celebrates how great it is that Mike isn't dead. Yeah. Mike says he sure learned his lesson about mixing sports and booze as he gulps down his third sea breeze. I can't seem to join in on the fun. There's this nagging voice in my head that keeps saying, are these people completely divorced from reality? It's at this point, steeped in my own sense of superiority and righteousness, that I notice something. My son, Lucas, six months old, is having the time of his life. He's being doted on, cuddled, kissed, spoiled, and loved. These ridiculous people are absolutely crazy about him, and, and he can't get enough of them. Then I realized something, that when you have children, you go on family vacations, and family vacations are not the same thing as vacations. They are something completely separate and distinct. And they are for the kids, not you. So I decide to stop passing judgment and jump into this family with both feet. I start for the bar to get a drink when my mother-in-law sees me. Where you going, honey? You know, get, a, get a drink. Let Mike get it. Mike, get Kelly a drink. Mike looks around leans over and whispers, okay, here's the thing. For more information about Afterbirth, please visit www.afterbirthstories.com. Our new show, Not What I Signed Up For, will be at the Triad Theater in New York City on August 25th. For information and reservations, please visit www.triadnyc.com. Afterbirth will be back at M-Bar and the corner of Fountain and Vine in Hollywood on September 24th. Please call 323-856-0036 for information and reservations. I hope you'll come. It's going to be a great show. Mm -hmm.